Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Rumblings, podcast 163. I saw X-Men Days of Future Past, so I talk about that. I picked up Watch Dogs, and although I've only played about 10 hours, I have quite a few opening thoughts on that. And I finished Wolfenstein, The New Order, so I have some closing thoughts for that. And that's it for this time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. X-Men Days of Future Past is rated PG-13, most likely for violence, since it is a wartime kind of movie. It was based on two comics in 1981, so the story overall is kind of old. But from a few things I've seen here and there, which I didn't really read, they did say it is different from the original story. It basically follows the events of what happened in First Class, The basic story is that in the future, in times past the original X-Men movies, all of the mutants, sort of as a species, are being hunted to extinction. So it's basically, the future is this really terrible war between humanity and the mutants, where both sides have pretty much almost gone extinct, but mutants are pretty much on the losing side. There is a mutant who can send people's consciousness back to their younger self, And any changes that happen because of that will affect all of the timelines for all of the people. And only the person who was sent back will remember any of the original timeline. So the main idea of our heroes on how to stop this war is to send somebody back far enough that they can change enough events to prevent the entire war from happening. Wolverine is the only one who can take the strain of being sent back that far because, you know, he regenerates, and apparently this has quite a toll on the person being sent, and normally the person only sends them back a few days or a week. So sending someone back, like, 50 years, is what I think they mentioned, is quite a strain that would kill pretty much everybody except Wolverine. I won't say really anything else about the movie, because it would be kind of spoilery, but I do have some general thoughts. It does help if you are kind of familiar with the various X-Men, as they explore different aspects of their personality in the future, the past, and the new past as it's becoming the new present. But I think as long as you've seen X-Men First Class, you should be fine. Most of the movie takes place in the past, and you won't know, you know, who the characters are in the future. I don't know who a lot of the future characters are. I know some of them, but not all of them. But I think it it does help to know the core sort of X-Men Because that way you'll understand quite a bit more about, you know, the personality of said X-Men who are trying to change various things and why, you know, they're making the decisions they're making. I think it does add quite a bit of enjoyment to the movie, knowing who these people are and why they're making those decisions. A fair bit of the movie is action, but the majority of it is story and stuff revolving around specific characters in terms of, you know, what 
story is happening and how they're reacting to it in terms of their personality. Because things are changing and, you know, the entire point of the movie is to go back and change people's minds. Characters are evolving quite a bit. And that's very cool to see how they change and adapt. And again, you know, as I said, it's even more cool if you know about that character and, you know, their personality as a whole. The graphics in the movie are really good. The music is good, though much of it that I recall is just generic superhero-ish instrumental kind of music, which is fine. You know, that's usually what's in that kind of movie. I actually really love this movie, and it is possibly in my top 10 favorite superhero movies, possibly even in the top five. If you are an X-Men fan, I would highly recommend you go see it. You can have popcorn if you want. It's more story than it is action, so it's not something I usually recommend, you know, with popcorn, as the saying goes. I would say go with superhero friends, because I think they would enjoy it quite a bit more than those who are, you know, not superhero friends, or, you know, especially people who don't know the X-Men very much. I think people might be more confused and enjoy it a little bit less than those who are at least sort of familiar with the characters. Though do be mindful this is a war story, so there are several sad events that happen, and things can be a little bit more sad if you are more familiar with the characters, and they, you know, sort of mean something to you. But again, if you're a superhero fan, especially an X-Men fan, I would highly recommend you go see it while it's still in theaters. The Grid A digital frontier I tried to picture clusters of information as they moved through the computer What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see And then, one day, I got in. So I picked up Watch Dogs on Tuesday, and I played for a little bit. As I said in the opening, I would guess I've played for somewhere around 10 hours. Most of my playtime so far has just been in random missions you can pick up here and there, saving people from random acts of violence, I guess you could say. Or going around and there's some that are like explore this spot or hack this thing. You know, all the side mission kind of things. I would guess I'm maybe half a dozen missions into what they're calling Act 1. And it seems like kind of an important point because that's when it unlocks all of the talents. Before that you're sort of restricted to only about 6 talents. They are split into 4 different trees. And each tree has... I would guess anywhere between 6 and maybe 9 total talents. So there's not a whole lot of talents, which is kind of surprising. But I got the feeling that it's sort of like you're supposed to finish Act 1 before you actually do many side missions. Because at the mission I just finished, the person that is sort of your contact for hacking gave me the phone app that's supposed to let me do all this hacking. But it's like... Why did you just now give me this? I've been hacking stuff for the last, like, you know, five or six play hours. I don't understand. So it seems kind of odd that they would have sort of these core missions that are training you. Like, a couple missions before this, I got a, a driving one that sort of teaches you about how to drive. 
and yet all of these missions are completely unlocked to start in side missions. It seems kind of confusing that they would allow you to take side missions that do these things that they haven't basically trained you for yet. The overall idea of hacking all the things seems okay. Mostly, they're just a form of puzzle games where you want to figure out which camera has the angle to hack the device you need to hack to get to the place you need to go. Or like walking around with citizens, you can hack their phone and, and get various extra side missions or unlock money, and that's how you earn bigger money. I think you get money from missions as well, but not nearly as much. Combat seems sort of like it's a completely different game smooshed into the first game I just described. The first game is kind of about exploring. It's kind of about puzzle games. There's some infiltration stuff you can do, and that's sort of like a stealth thing. But combat seems very different. It seems overly bad in terms of odds. Many of the missions seem like you're just going to be completely overwhelmed. And it seems really kind of unbalanced compared to how the rest of the game goes. Like, as example, I had one mission I had to do probably at least a dozen times because there's two targets in the mission I'm supposed to knock out, not, you know, shoot in the face. And those two targets are in a car, and once they get out of the car, they have fully automatic weapons. And on top of that, they've got something like six different guards around them in other vehicles. So you're dealing with like eight or more people, and you're just you, and you're not a super person. Any one of them with, you know, the assault weapons they're carrying would take you out quite easily. So it seemed like just ridiculously high odds. The only way I beat them was to turn it down to the easy setting, and then I figured out along their path, like, where exactly would be, like, the perfect place to ambush them and set up this blockade here and use this explosive thing at the right time to blow up one of their guard cars. And even after doing that, it still took me three or four tries to get it to actually succeed, you know, because, like I said, any one of them could take you out pretty easily. So, I don't know, the combat seems overly difficult and not very balanced in terms of where your character should be. But again, I don't know, part of that maybe is because I don't have equipment yet, And like I said, it seems like they want you to fully complete Act 1 before doing any of these side missions. So, I I don't know, maybe that's possible. There are also driving missions, which I, I don't like driving in most games. But in a game where it seems overly easy to accidentally hit regular people and either injure or kill them, and then thus, you know, affect your reputation, doesn't seem like a good idea. It's like, why is the driving in here if I'm going to run over all these people and stuff? It's like, you have to be really, really, really super careful driving. And if you're actually driving that fast and you're being chased by police or whatever, you're going to get caught. So I'm very confused about that as well. Thankfully, in the main storyline mission, there was only one driving mission. I've only done like half a dozen or so. But it seems like I could hopefully just avoid driving and just take... The train, they've got a train that goes around in the city. Or I could just, you know, run most places just fine. You have unlimited endurance, which seems a little odd. So you can run everywhere. People kind of treat you a little funny, but it doesn't seem to have any permanent effects. You just run right by them and they'll be like, hey, and it's like, okay, whatever. The burning question of, is it a good game? Is it worth the money? I'm not sure yet. I am sure reviewers will probably rate it 
much lower than they were hoping. And it wouldn't surprise me if most of the ratings were around 3 to 4 stars out of 5 stars, or like between 70 and maybe 85%. Because while it does deliver on what it promised, nothing really feels as new as they kind of made it sound. Most of the stuff is just like a locational puzzle. You just point there and click, which is not anything new for, you know, a locational puzzle kind of game. And then there are other games, which, you know, many of the components are very similar to. Like, most people will probably compare it to Assassin's Creed or the Far Cry games with, you know, some driving mixed in, maybe from the Saint Row kind of games. I don't play those. Maybe that's the wrong series. But there seem to be, you know, several other games this is similar to. So it doesn't really feel like anything's overwhelmingly new. Don't get me wrong, the weather and time of day aspects are really awesome. They really do make the city feel, you know, both alive and set in time, you know, in in terms of the time of day and the weather. So that most certainly is an evolution in terms of immersion into the game. But the core mechanics of the game don't really feel quite as new as maybe they are. So I think a lot of reviewers will probably not give it great marks for that reason. Due to not liking the driving, which hopefully seems mostly avoidable, and the extreme ramping up in difficulty in some of the combat missions, I would say I like it okay, but so far I'm not overly impressed with it. Like I said, it doesn't seem to be doing anything amazing like it was claiming. seems to be just a fair to okay game, so I'll know more about that as I get deeper into it. One thing worth noting was that when I first played it, I was connected online, which you're kind of supposed to be. You can play it offline if you like, which is probably what I'm going to do mostly. But when I was connected, I had this horrible drain on my system resources. It seemed like it was running only about maybe half as fast as it should have been in terms of frame rate and, you know, all the computational stuff about, you know, you open up the map and then you close the map and it's, you know, horribly laggy. When I wasn't online and I was playing the other times, it flew. It ran just fine with no difficulty at all. So there's something with the online connectivity that is seemingly draining the resources, at least on PC. I would assume and hope that's not there on console. But it seems like my system was losing a lot of power for seemingly no reason. But that doesn't seem to happen when it's in offline mode. So that might be something to watch out for if you pick up the game as well. One thing, I guess, which is kind of important to note that somebody I knew back in the day, who is a friend on Facebook now, mentioned to me, the game automatically saves into a single save slot. You have no control over that. So if you want to play different ways, you can't. You really don't have any option from that, from what I've seen. There is a reputation system of doing good or bad things. So it's not like you can have one game where you're playing serious and then one game where you don't care and just shoot everybody in the face all the time. As far as I know, you only have the one save game. So whatever you do, you kind of have to play in that one fashion. I would, however, wonder if it is not tied in some way to your login. I expect it probably would be on consoles since consoles have, you know, the potential for different logins for different people. Windows, you can do that as well. I would hope that it has a save game bound to the login so that at least, you know, different people in the same household playing can have their own save games. But that might be something to watch out for. 
I hadn't thought of that before because I'm just me. I just play by myself, usually in one fashion. So if that's something that might be problematic for you, do watch out for that. So far, I would rate it as something you probably just want to rent, but if you are considering it for purchase, I would highly recommend caution and check out some reviews and see what the reviews are saying and be very careful about the purchase decision. And I'll keep people updated on how things go as time goes on. Boom, 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 boom. Ich schieß dich einfach ab. Leg dich einfach flach. Nimm dich mit zu mir. Stell dich in mein Haus. Boom, 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 boom. So I have some final thoughts for Wolfenstein The New Order. I played mostly offline and Steam doesn't track my time offline. So I would guess that I played somewhere between 12 and 15 hours. It seemed much quicker than I was expecting, but it was pretty fun all the way through. I played on the medium setting, which is what they recommend for experienced first-person shooter fans. I think the big thing to note is that, as I said before, this is a wartime game. So there are a lot of sad and somewhat traumatic events that do happen during the course of the game. It's not anything horrible or anything truly scarring, but if you're not looking for that kind of thing, absolutely don't pick it up. You know, there are sad wartime things that go on. Even though it is a bit on the short side, this is probably the first game I would give an almost perfect score for. This game has what I would consider a perfect balance between story and combat. Neither seems overly long, nor do they seem really distracting or sort of taking you out of what you should be doing. There's the shooting parts, and then you sort of escape, and then there's sort of a cool-down story part, which, you know, explains what happened, explains the consequences, and explains, you know, what you're going to do next. So it all is a very logical progression. As part of that, the characters are very deep and very well thought out, And you really get a strong feeling for who each of the characters are as, you know, individual people. And that, I think, really helps flush out the story as well. I would say, too, that the game difficulty scales very well. The bosses are tough, but not overly so. They seem to be more about figuring out the special tricks than they are, you know, outright DPS, I guess you could say. Even though the bosses were kind of tough when I first faced them, It didn't take me too many tries to get through them. And in many ways, some of the regular fights, you know, the arena-style thing where you get into a big room and there's a lot of guys, those were just as challenging as the bosses. So unlike some games where you'll spend, you know, 75% of your time fighting three different bosses, this will not happen in Wolfenstein. It's a pretty even balance between fighting regular minions and going through a level and fighting a boss. You know, nothing is overly difficult or overly long compared to any other part. This would be my first game that I'm giving 5 out of 5 stars, or 90% in terms of percent. And I'm only taking off that 10% of the 100% scale due to the graphical issues, which I think, again, has to do with the ID Tech 5 engine. 
So hopefully optimization or tweaks can clear that up in the future. It otherwise would be, you know, a 5 out of 5, 100% game. But that, you know, one little thing kind of takes it down a little bit that might be really distracting for some people. As I said before, if you are a Wolfenstein fan, this is a must-buy. Is it a must-buy at 60 bucks? I don't know. It's probably worth more around 45 or so because of the short playthrough time. And you can probably rent it at your local rental places if you don't want to actually purchase it. But if you are a Wolfenstein fan, I would highly recommend it. News for this time, The Wolf Among Us, Episode 4, is now out. If you're like me and have a season pass, you should just log in and that should just automatically update. Wildstar is now in early entry, so if you pre-ordered, you can get in and play. If not, it will launch on June 3rd, next week. Maleficent is now out. I will probably talk about that on next podcast. And The Edge of Tomorrow is due out on June 6th. And that's it for the news. So I guess that's it for this week's Rabbit's Ramblings. A lot of movies and games to talk about, so we should have plenty to talk about for the next coming weeks. I've had a bit of a cold lately, a lot of sneezing and congestion. I might sound a little funny on this podcast, that would be why. That's really it. Nothing else really going on in my life that is new. Lots of games to distract me, so that's cool. But hopefully everybody out there is having an okay time. And hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Secret song. I love you all night long. I can't stand to see you go. Secret song. I love you so. Wait. Good enough. Is rated PG-13, most likely for violence. The mutants as a whole, you know, it's... it's uh, all of the mutants, sort of as a species, are being hunted to extinction. But the majority of it is story and stuff... You actually go outside in these things? What would you prefer? Yellow spandex?
you have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html. When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit dot com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2014 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.